this teaching is much shorter. The next part of what we are doing is called the dismissal of the departed. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as the absolution of the departed, but uh, that's not a good translation because that makes it seem like they're being absolved of their sins and that's not what we're doing. So this is the dismissal of the departed. Um, we're going to pray for the dead, which I know seems strange to some people. Right? Why would we pray for the dead? So I ask you, why would we pray for the dead? Because they're still on the journey. That's right. And as St. Ignatius says about Holy Communion, it is the medicine of immortality. And while life is changed by death, it's not ended. And death doesn't have reign over the church. And therefore the dead are part of the church yet, yes and are connected to us in Holy Communion. And so, I often retort to people, why not pray for the dead? Some people will object and say, well, we shouldn't because it doesn't do anything. And my answer to them is, well, you pray petitions all the time that are assured and don't quote-unquote do anything. You just prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Those things are assured to you, friends, just as eternal life is assured to you. So why do you pray them? Think about it for a moment. Why do we pray things that are assured? Because the Lord calls us to pray to change our hearts, to change ourselves, to put us more in line with his kingdom rule. And so when we pray for the dead, we're not praying that they be sprung from purgatory or any strange thing like that. That's not Anglican. In fact, it's forbidden by the 39 Articles of Religion. What we're praying for is we're praying for them to grow in their knowledge and love of Jesus, even in this. And this gets into some tricky, some tricky uh, areas of theology, which I can't go on a whole lot about now. But suffice it to say, Scripture speaks of death as sleep, as rest, but also speaks of it as growth. If you pay attention to what St. Paul writes, he says that we are growing until the day of judgment. Well, the day of judgment doesn't come when we die. It comes later, as we just said. So, death, to us, appears as sleep. Yes, Jesus talks about it when he talks to Lazarus, about Lazarus in John 11. He calls it sleep. Because to us, it seems like they're asleep. But to them, they're very much conscious and awake. They're in the presence of the Lord. Because St. Paul also says, for to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, friends, in this mystery, they very much are in heaven, so to speak, in paradise. But they await the general resurrection and the final judgment, as do we. And this is a part of things that gets forgotten in the Christian life. That heaven's not the end. This is another part, this is an earlier version of the secular, sentimental heaven stuff. Okay? The earlier version is that you, go, you die and you just go to heaven ethereal-like and you're know, sitting on clouds and playing harps and that's the end of it or you go to hell, right? 
But that's wrong too. For heaven and paradise is merely a place or a receptacle of souls until the body is raised again. Remember, what do we say in the Apostles' Creed? I believe in the resurrection of the body. What did that long Corinthians reading we read today say? That the body is indeed the, like the dead wheat seed that is planted. Jesus talks about this about himself too. And so the body, friends, is important. It's important. Unfortunately, Christianity seems to have forgotten this. We like to have memorial services. We like to focus on things where the body's not even here, or the remains are not even present. But historically, that's pagan, not Christian. The Christian way is to commend the body as well as the soul. And unfortunately, when you don't do that, it sets up this bad theology of you just fly away from your body and your body's thought of no more. Well, that's wrong. That's wrong. The resurrection of the body is a very real thing. And we know this because when Jesus died on the cross, what happened to those holy ones in Matthew's Gospel? Do you remember? The tombs came open, and the bodies of the, and the souls of the patriarchs of old and holy ones walked around Jerusalem. That doesn't sound like some ethereal, soulless existence to me. And so, friends, we await the general resurrection of the body, where, as St. Paul says, and this is where the theology gets deep, somehow the body, by death, is transformed so that it can embrace the uncorruptible. The corruptible is sown into the ground, and the uncorruptible is lifted up unto eternal life eventually. There's all sorts of implications with that, but I want to stop there because... I could go on a long time, as most of you know. Um, at this point in the funeral service, the body is commended. The body is commended to the Lord and goes forth, born from the church, after being blessed. Because they still are part of the church. They're not just a memory. They're still people, still loved. Just like you pray for your spouse or your best friend. You pray for people that you love, whether they're dead or not. It's silly not to. It's a mark of God's love and a mark of your own love. So in the All Souls Day service, rather than praying for the particular body, because there is none, we pray for those who have faithfully gone before us. And we're not, again, praying for them to get out of hell or purgatory or something like that. We're rather commending them to God. Pay attention to the words that are actually said in the following prayer. As it's running uh, late, since we started late, I don't want to take questions now, but I will take questions after the service today. If those of you who would like to, to stay, I will stay here in the nave, and I'm happy to talk. All right, so let us stand for the dismissal of the departed.